Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. Dr. Gray obtained his master's in both acupuncture and oriental medicine from the Atlantic Institute of Oriental Medicine. Dr. Gray enjoys both being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Germany and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and France. He is co-author of several books on food therapy. His office is in Jupiter, Florida, where he has practiced for over a decade and where he resides. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. podcast and radio show with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. We thank you for joining us. And uh, today we have a guest that we've had before, Miss Elizabeth Barbella, CEO of the Martin and St. Lucie County Community Foundation. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> this has been a really crazy time, and I've done a few shows in, in, uh, during the whole COVID-19 um, virus outbreak pandemic we've heard so many names and there's been so much negativity around the way people are uh, promoting it Um, it is a virus it is harmful there are concerns but there has been quite a bit of good of people pulling together doing some amazing things and the community foundation of martin and saint lucy are one of those foundations doing some amazing uh, things, uh, creating initiatives and helping people during this time. So I wanted to spend some time in positivity with you, talking about all your hard work you and your team are doing. Thank you again for joining us, and hopefully you can fill us in and some on some of this. Yeah, so thank you for just creating a forum to do this in and to, to shed a little bit of, of positive light and good vibes on this, because I think we could all use a little bit of good news right now. And so much, you know, the human spirit often triumphs. I think we're really witnessing that in the charitable sector right now. And so the work of the Community Foundation, uh, it's been about five weeks now that we have been uh, looking at how we could best be of service to our community. And, and when we speak about our community, we're speaking largely about philanthropy yes. and the role that philanthropy plays. Uh, in assisting the vital network of uh, health and human service providers in our community, which, as you can imagine, are being called upon more now than ever uh, to stand on the front lines and really help us uh, navigate something which I think we can all agree uh, is largely an unknown. But the amazing thing is we are resilient, and so many of these organizations function on the front lines every day, whether we're in a pandemic or not. So they've done a miraculous job with their staffs and their volunteers at pivoting and really refocusing and saying, okay, this is uh, unprecedented, and yet we can call upon 
our core skills and our talents and our people and figure out how we can step up and, and be of best service, especially to the most vulnerable in our community. Who have so you seen? The community. Yeah, I, I, I was going to sorry, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, the idea of most vulnerable, who do you see as that being in, in the community? Well, I think when we initially, uh, we look at, obviously, our aging, uh, our children, uh, our families that are at risk. So those who are within that Alice population that in this field we often talk about, which are families that are living on the margin, they're working and working really hard, but literally living paycheck to paycheck. So they don't have a lot of reserve so when crises like these hit, their households can really be significantly strained. And as we all well know now, there's been a tremendous amount of job loss, especially in the service industry. Right. So many of the individuals and families we're talking about would fall into that particular category. Right. So the, you know, there's been an opportunity for all types of philanthropy, as you, as you prefaced, and there's been an uh, opportunity for all types of vulnerability during this time. And so initially we were thinking just in terms of the ability to treat and help and cure, um, you know, trying to make sure that there was enough of those types of supplies and so forth. But now we're seeing that the bigger issue is, in fact, these families and those underprivileged, those um, that were already in tough times living paycheck to paycheck or with no paycheck. And now this has created even a deeper uh, sense of vulnerability on a, on a, a larger scale for, for families of all kinds, and, and not only here on our, on, our, on our land, but abroad. So you're obviously setting a, a significant example of what philanthropy can do going forward. So that's uh, it's tremendous to to shed light on that and i just wanted to do that cuz <laughs> that's that's really what we're looking for in the next few months and possibly a year into you know into the next year of of repairing that level of vulnerability and how this virus has affected us as a whole thank you for saying that cuz we've really been looking at it like this is a marathon not a sprint and so while we need to be prepared to really quickly uh, deal with what's in front of us week by week, we now need to start looking out at the coming months because we know now that as we move into summer and, and now, you know, we know that children are not going to, in our region, be returning back to school. So we have a variety of other things that we need to consider as we look at potential learning losses for kids and how we will move them through this period of time and summer so hopefully they can be ready uh, to reboot, if you will, at the beginning of the next school season. And mm -hmm. how do we mitigate learning losses? And how do we help families uh, as we crest and then ease out of this pandemic? How do we help families get back to work? Because getting back to work might not look like the work that they left. Mm -hmm. And so all of those things are things we need to consider. And how do we create the right support systems to help those individuals and families navigate that, right? Because the whole goal is for us to heal and come out of this uh, to, to be a bit stronger. Uh, we might be a bit scarred from it, but how do we move forward into whatever this new normal looks like, knowing that we're incredibly resilient beings? So as we move out of this, how do we, in, in the sector in particular, in philanthropy, how do we strategically make investments now and in the future in organizations that are on the front lines and will remain on the front lines of taking care of 
our community and our citizens mm-hmm. because we will rebound. And so can we talk a minute about strategic philanthropy? Can we go uh, yes, there? And, I, and I did want to um, reiterate that, you know, from our past experience, one of the many things I appreciate about you is your view of philanthropy. It's its a holistic view, and, and you do, um, and, and what Martin and St. Lucie County um, uh, Community Foundation does for our listeners is not only help you, you not only direct philanthropy for people with the um, ability to help others financially and otherwise, but you also help those people manage their estates and do it wisely and with a conscious nature. So it is healing on both sides. So I just wanted to give a little bit of a picture of that before we go forward for our listeners. This, thanks. This community foundation has really been rooted in those concepts of strategy, thoughtfulness, and consciousness. Um, And that, to me, is a tremendous way to approach this work. So I feel like it's really important to also say that, no question about it, philanthropy moves the needle in the best of times and in the most challenging of times. But these charities that have been clicking on all cylinders for a long time, but even more so for the last couple of weeks, these people, both staffs and volunteers, are putting themselves out there on the front line. So we have the, the medical community we've been talking about and first responders. And then we have these folks who are stepping up to provide basic needs to vulnerable individuals and families and folks who are working in shelters, folks who are at feeding sites, folks who are working in adult uh, daycare programs. We have this broad brushstroke of organizations that are really showing up every day to do work in a new and, in fact, very challenging environment. So we've been trying to remain really plugged in with those organizations that are at the forefront. So week to week, we have a sense of what's going on in the best way to invest both human and financial resources. So five weeks ago, we launched a COVID-19 rapid response fund, uh, and we had a tremendous response from many of those who are our clients and some who are just friends. Uh, And thus far, uh, we have uh, brought together contributions in excess of about 350,000. Uh, 16 grants have been issued to charities to date, totaling about 240000 That's just our, uh, our slice, if you will, because then what we did was we said, we're all in this together, right? Mm-hmm. So let's call the entire funding community together in both Martin and St. Lucie, and let's create one universal application that we can invite any charity in our region that wants to to apply to. And every week, let's sit down and have a virtual meeting and talk about how we're all going to strategically invest the resources at our disposal so we can leverage and help these charities not only survive, uh, but thrive and be able to offer services in this new world order in this new way. And so what's exciting about that is and if you'll allow me in a minute, I want to give I want to give a shout out to some of those partner organizations. Yes, really important. please, absolutely. But what that has allowed now, think about this collectively. That has enabled almost a million dollars in Martin and St. Lucie counties alone to go into charities. Mm. Very strategic. These are significant numbers so, for counties. Yeah, 
So let me tell you who's at the table because this is important. So uh, this is a combination. We have a consortium. We call it a funders consortium in both Martin and St. Lucie. And remember, we're meeting every week. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Uh, Allegheny Franciscan Ministries, the Children's Services Councils of Martin and the Children's Services Council of St. Lucie, the Cleveland Clinic Martin Health Foundation. Uh, our foundation, a community foundation for Martin and St. Lucie is our title. The Community Foundation for Palm Beach and Martin Counties also joined us. The Hope Sound Community Chest, Impact 100 Martin and Impact 100 St. Lucie. And if you don't know what those are, those are women's giving circles. Lost Tree Village Charitable Foundation, the Mariner Sands Charity Week, Selfish Point Foundation, and the United Way of Martin County, and the United Way of St. Lucie County. And we have partners rolling up to that table on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And so we literally spend an hour on the phone and we look at any applications that come in through this really robust online grant software system that we have here at the Community Foundation. We're managing that process for both counties, and the work that's coming out of this partnership is extraordinary, and it, to date, has enabled us to support nearly 40 charities in the two counties. Hmm. And I said the number a few minutes ago with almost a million dollars in funding. So, What I, what I really like about is, that combination of, of names is that, uh, and the charities, the, some of them are national household names and some are local household names so you've got a nice balance there nice balance and then charities that are benefiting and and i'm i'm so reluctant to to name them because i'm going to leave somebody out but let me give you an idea of the kinds of charities so that i don't leave any charity name out so we have charities ranging from those who serve children and after school out of school capacities that are now finding new ways to deliver services and to create virtual learning opportunities. Um, that also includes some child care centers that are in the heart of communities uh, where they really function more like community centers than just uh, child care centers. We have shelters, uh, both uh, child abuse and neglect shelters and domestic violence shelters represented in our list, mental health organizations, elder-serving organizations, developmental disability-serving organizations, basic needs organizations, which have been really important in this first five weeks and will continue to be. So these are organizations that are helping folks put food on the table, keep the lights on, and keep the roof over their head. Their work has been nonstop since about the second week into the virus, and we believe that that work is going to go on for 12 to 18 months because remember what we said earlier about Mm -hmm. our concerns about unemployment and, you know, the, the lack of resources. So... This work uh, will continue, um, and, and the consciousness piece, let's go back to that, right? the really thoughtful, strategic philanthropy piece is going to become more important, but let's talk about flexibility. So the, the wave that's been coming in philanthropy across the country has really been this idea of partnership between the not-for-profit sector and those who have financial resources, those who are grant makers, and about giving organizations an ability to have some flexibility with grant dollars, trusting them once they demonstrate that they're sustainable and viable and that they have a good solid infrastructure and that they're good fiduciaries of money, giving them the flexibility to utilize grant dollars in ways that will allow them 
to control those monies and make decisions uh, on a monthly, weekly, quarterly basis versus traditional grant making, which was sometimes a little myopic. You know, here's a grant, it's for one purpose and there's no flexibility. So what's happened now as we get into COVID, and this is not unique to our area either, um, nationally, the National Council on Foundations launched a pledge and said, during this unprecedented time, we're asking community and private foundations to step up and take a pledge about being flexible and nimble and allowing organizations some flexibility with grant funding. So we've been looking through that lens a lot, too, is how do we understand what we're giving money for, but trust the leaders of these organizations to give them some room because they're really needing to face changes not yearly, not monthly, but literally weekly during this pandemic. Mm. It, that is so true. And, I'm, you know, as you're telling me all of this, I'm thinking we're talking, we, were, we mentioned unemployment, but the long-term issue is, you know, and, and one of the things is you said philanthropy moves the needle. And that is so true because these are independent individuals, a lot of them, that are, are concerned and have the ability to help. And you are making it so that they know where their funding is going. Now, we have obviously a huge amount of individuals across our country and, and across the world. But let's talk about our country and, and, just, and then even focus the lens on our Martin and St. Lucie counties, um, who, yes, there's unemployment, but the day everything goes back to quote unquote normal in terms of the ability to work again, be around each other, so forth and so on, there's going to be a number of businesses that are no longer up and running. They just disappeared. They're no longer there because they couldn't survive because they wanted or waited on funding from the government that never came. Um, so there's a level of the community that needs to be bolstered, held up and, um, and, and really dealt with on this level. And it seems that what you're doing is preparing for all of this. And so, yes, that nimbleness, that week to week, <laughs> you know, that, that need for an awareness um, on this level is, is so key because we don't even know what this, the true picture of this aftermath will look like. Mm. We don't. And so really uh, for us, it has been uh, looking at things, uh, I want to use the terminology uh, like bite-sized pieces, if you will. So right now it's been about what is the immediate response. But as we look uh, at the coming weeks and months, that's where we're starting to say, okay, this is what we've seen in the last five or six weeks. Here's what we know from communities that are a little farther along in this pandemic than we are. And then here's just what we know about what recovery from any kind of disaster or economic crisis means. And so with that information, knowing that right every incident like this will have its own nuances and uniqueness, we still know some things that can help us get prepared. So this funding consortium, while it is dealing with the immediate is also now beginning to say, we can't take our eyes off what's in front of us, but let's look out to the future. And so I will say for us, and, and I can't say enough about the partnership that we've established with both the United Ways and, and both Martin and St. Lucie County, because our organizations have been in constant communication because we tend to deal with those individuals 
who are giving on an ongoing basis in our community and who call for guidance. So we've been talking to them about metering out their gifting, meaning yes, now is very important and we need to be able to respond quickly and stabilize, but we also need to understand that the role of philanthropy as we get three, six, nine months down the road is going to be equally as important. So when we talk about giving to good causes and giving to the stabilization of our families and our communities, we want to make sure that people understand that giving will need to continue over a period of time. So we want to thoughtfully meter out, and that is the conscious part, right, of the philanthropy, is knowing what is down the road. And so I was engaged in a conversation just two days ago with uh, our partners at the uh, Economic uh, Development Agency, um, in, in this case it was in St. Lucie County, and, and we were talking about uh, the conversations they're having now about the current conditions and challenges that businesses face in our communities and what's anticipated and who may come online and who heartbreakingly and unfortunately may not and what the downstream effects of that will be. Because in our region, you know, our our citizens move across county lines pretty fluidly. Sometimes we look at, you know, Martin, St. Lucie, Indian River, Okeechobee County. We call ourselves the Treasure Coast. But we look county by county. But the reality is we live in the region. So people live, work, and play across this whole area. So what affects one geographic area, one zip code, oftentimes spills over into another. So when we talk about the changing landscape and what things will look like on the horizon, it's a much bigger geographic area that will be affected. So something that happens in one county is going to have a ripple effect. There is a ripple, And especially in the business sector. Yeah. Speaking about the business sector and those that are either financially savvy or inquiring as to the financial nature of the changing tides, um, how are you able to sort of help those individuals? Because we all know that it's easier, much easier to give water from a full well than a dry well. So, and, you know, philanthropy is is all about that too. So where do you stand in terms of your ability to, to assist on that level with your, with your supporters? Well, I think we have talked to people that fit uh, into a couple of of different uh, definitions, for lack of a better term, when we talk about contributors. So we have contributors that are giving on a regular basis, and they're giving in varying dollar amounts, and some of their giving may have been impeded by the effect of the market. So we know that their giving may be slowed for a period of time until we see what's, you know, adequate recovery. And there's a lot of different theories on how and when and if that will occur. We have other very generous individuals who have been affected by the vulnerability and volatility, if you will, in the market, but still have capacity to give and they're going to continue to give. Mm -hmm. And we will work very closely with them about that metering out of their giving, if you will. And then we will have people that will dig deep because we always do. It's the most amazing thing. And they have a finite amount of resources, but they can give and they will. And what will help them do is place those gifts, regardless of the dollar amount or the size, in the place where they can have the most meaning. So I'm going to give you an example. If you give some of our organizations that are providing food 
for families that now are far enough along in the crisis and have been out of work long enough that they simply cannot afford to go to the grocery store, even though the grocery stores are open. Giving one of those organizations $50 and allowing them to go through their food procurement process could turn $50 into the equivalent of 200 meals. Mm, wow. Much more than you could buy in the grocery store. And that's because they're in the food world and they are in the business of acquiring food through a variety of channels to help people in need put food on the table. So a well-placed gift of any dollar amount, that's where I believe the whole funding consortium rises and shines is when we have contact with people like that, we can say, what do you have to give? What's really important to you? And how can we help you give it in the space or to the organization that will be able to make the greatest use of it, whether it's a dollar, dollars, $1,000, $100,000. $100, so that's the the well-placed, strategic, philanthropy part of our conversation. So mm. I believe that, does that answer? I want to make sure that I'm yes, I'm answering no. No, uh, what absolutely, you asked. Absolutely thorough. Absolutely. And I think more than anything, it gives those that are interested in uh, helping a, a way of helping and supporting and um, offering hope and, and hope them in themselves because I think it's sometimes you watch all the news, you you know of distant family members, friends, other communities, you know the communities at large, you know what's going on and you feel helpless but and you don't know who to turn to to help and you're offering a really uh, wonderful way to not only help but gauge that help in an appropriate manner at a time when there's so much uncertainty. Um, and I thank you. I, I really do. Um, and I think everyone listening thanks you. <laughs> um, we do so much, Dr. Gray, with, with financial resources and human resources in terms of volunteerism. And so I don't want to step into your lane too much, but the other thing that has really occurred to us is that in this time when we know now, and many people know people who have been affected by the virus, that compassion is the other thing that we have to give, right? So yeah. if you can get on a Zoom call with your neighbor or friend who might feel up to spending five minutes on the phone with you and you can just check in and say, it's going to be okay. We got you. We're, you know, we're thinking about you. Get better. Take care of yourself. Like words of encouragement have a tremendous amount of value as well. So while we may not sometimes have financial resources to give or we're in a population that we just can't go out and volunteer to be a part of the organizations who are on the front lines, there's, there may be some other things we can do, and technology has really made all things possible. Absolutely. This has been Elizabeth Barbella, President and CEO of Community Foundation of Martin and St. Lucie Counties, and we thank you for joining us. And if you missed any portion of this amazing show, uh, please, we're on all podcast formats. Thank you again for joining us, Elizabeth. Thank you. It's my pleasure, as always. Mm-hmm.